Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of All in San Diego. Well, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know Sarah and I are super fans of Fleet Science Center. Uh, So many fun things coming and going there all the time uh, for the whole family. And this one really caught my eye when I heard about the next big thing they're doing. It's the worst case scenario survival exhibit. You may have, it was kind of a phenomenon a few years ago where there were everything from books to board games based on what to do in the worst case scenario. If you're skiing and that avalanche hits you and you're buried in snow, how do you deal with that? If you're out in the middle of nowhere and you get bit by a poisonous snake, what should you do? Um, by the way, I have I don't have answers to any of these. I'm yeah. the last person you want to be trapped in any of these situations with. But maybe I'll be better at it once I attend the worst case scenario. We are so excited to have the creative director of the entire thing, which, by the way, is open now. Uh, so uh, you definitely want to go check it out. Jeffrey Curley. Thanks for joining us, Jeffrey. Hey. Yeah, it's great to be here. So, you know, I remember this being the phenomenon that is obviously still going on. Do you have any of the background about where it came from and 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 how it all started. Yeah, uh, we, we actually worked with the authors of the book uh, on developing the exhibition and they, they, they started working on it back in the late 90s. So I don't know if you remember, there was this whole fear that every single computer was going to crash at the yes. end of yes. 1999. Yeah, so they're, they're like, well, well, you know, if that's going to be the case, we should all probably be prepared for it. So they started looking into creating a handbook of the worst case experiences that you could possibly face uh, and then just built up this this um, you know kind of uh, very deadpan but very uh, authentic and scientifically accurate uh, handbook as to how to you know deal with a plane that doesn't have a pilot or dealing with as oh you're mentioning wild animals that you might approach um, or you know having a baby in the back of a taxi cab like how do you deal with these things uh, so they put them all together in this uh, bright yellow handbook that they um, it's been 20 years 20 some years now and wow they, they isn't that crazy more contemporary oh yeah, my gosh wild. time cool. flies now in creating the exhibit which i promise you we'll get to in a minute how much of this knowledge have you logged in your brain are you an expert on a survival at this point Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> but what I what what you know what the exhibition does, and you know what I was able to retain, and hopefully everyone who worked on it, um, is the understanding of how to approach those um, those worst case scenarios. You know, so it, it, there's a, there's a process that you go through. It's like looking at what that scenario is. What what's the the issue that you're approaching? You know, what are your assets? What do you have in your pockets? You know, it's like can you use your credit card? Can you use a pen uh, to help you through one of these um, scenarios? You know, creating a plan and then uh, activating that plan. And, you know, if it doesn't go right, maybe try it again um, if you're fortunate enough to be able to. Uh, so that that I've retained. Um, do I actually know how to get out of an avalanche? I have some pretty good ideas from doing this, but um, okay. but it's it's better it's better to read the book first. Yeah, I read somewhere that you you drool to find out which way is up. Right, if the drool runs backwards, you know that this is up. So I would do that oh. and then I would die because once I determined what it was up, I don't know what to do from there. But that's you got right. the first I mean, step you should, down. You should spit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because you're totally well, like tumbling, right? You're upside down. It's like you should. You should spit and drool. That's always going to go down. So you want to dig the other oh way. Oh, my God. I've, right. I've learned something already. I had never heard that before <laughs> to drool in an emergency situation. And everything at Fleet is family friendly. Um, I'm assuming this is also a very family friendly experience. What 
what can families expect when they come to check out this exhibit? Well, it is it is for everybody. So it is absolutely for families where, especially if parents want to participate with their kids, um, it's it's a an environment that's very much like a gymnasium. So you come okay. in here to practice dealing with worst case scenarios. Okay. Everything from jumping from a moving train roof to another moving train roof. Uh, you know, how do you deal with quicksand without actually being a quicksand? So we have a whole like um, ball pit, right? So you're able to go into the ball pit. You learn how to fall appropriately. Say you're in a second story of building that's on fire and you need to jump out of the window and sure. land into a dumpster as we tend to do, uh, you want to make sure you do that in a way that <laughs> you're do. not going to break your back. So we, we help you uh, figure that out. Or, you know, again, how to how to not sink in quicksand, but rather float on top of it. Or, you know, even simple things like how do you tell if someone's lying? Um, what do you do if, uh, you know, you need to uh, release some gas in the appropriate way? Uh, there's <laughs> every sort of scenario is within here. And, uh, and you know, some of them are small, like flattest, and some of them are more dramatic, like jumping train cars, but they're all, they're all here for you to practice. Did you hear so, he said flattest, it, it AJ? Like, Did you? Yes. He said, yeah. Very professional. Very, <laughs> very classy way to put that. Uh, so this sounds super fun. I mean, really, really fun. Like I'm yeah. going for sure. But on, on top of the fun, you probably will, in the off chance you had to jump from train car to train car, you're going to probably remember it better having actually done it, right? It's, it's, there is a practicality to this. Yeah, it is. I, and that's part of the gym, right? I mean, you go to the gym not once, but you go over and over again to, you know, really practice, you know, getting in shape. And this is, this is getting in shape mentally. And getting in shape through understanding how to approach things. So you're right. So if, if you do need to jump from a moving object, this will, in fact, help you with how to jump from it, roll, tuck, uh, so you don't damage yourself when you do so. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's great for understanding biologically what you go through. And part of it is like, you know, the whole term don't panic. And it is true. Mm, yeah. You know, us as humans, like we, we are, are made to panic. And that helps us run faster, see better, you know, if we're in a, an emergency situation, but it can also sort of cloud us too. So understanding what's happening to your body, you know, when your heart rate goes up, when you're breathing more, you know, when your uh, palms start to sweat, that's all part of, you know, fight and flight. But if we can understand that and then control it so that you can approach a situation with a clear mind, that's just as important as being able to tuck and roll off that moving object uh, so that you're going to be able to be safe. Jeffrey Curley is the creative director of the Worst Case Scenario Survival Exhibit, which is going on now at Fleet Science Center. Are we covering barging through doors. I'd very much like to kick down a door or run out one with my shoulder. Effectively, that's on your, though. That's on you your wish like doesn't work. Yes. Um, uh, no, but Aww. you do, you do uh, similar to it. So you don't actually have to use your shoulder to break down the door. We uh, <laughs> teach people how to pick locks. Yes. Uh, we teach oh. people how to climb on faces of buildings. Um, and also, you know, pretty relevant now, uh, how to avoid uh, putting germs on your hands or your body as you go oh. through environments. So there are some some things not kicking down doors. Not yet. Okay. Uh, lots of other great stuff, things. though. Yeah. I'm telling you, every example that you're saying is lighting me up. This is so up my alley. I know. Uh, I feel now, like it's this, this perfect rig- combination of uh, like American Ninja Warrior and Wipeout, maybe. Yes. <laughs> okay. But yeah. educational and useful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, you said this phenomenon started in the late 90s. Do we know, off the, do you happen to know if there's ever been a success story of someone who was 
lost at sea or whatever. And they, they use techniques from the original book to, to make it. You know, I, I have heard stories from the author that they get letters of that nature that wow. yes, they, they've read the book, you know, and it's, it's a great like little book to pick up in the car or right before bed. And they've retained this information and it's, it's helped save their lives or their family members' lives. All right. You described the, the ball pit simulating quicksand. I love that. I've man, I'd have such mixed emotions if I were in quicksand because part of me would be terrified and part of me would be like, finally, I've got to get out of quicksand. I've been waiting for this since the 80s. I've been preparing um, my whole life. <laughs> yes, because it seems to have never happened to anyone ever. But um, could you give some other examples of, of what the exhibits are, the hands-on exhibits and what the experiences are like? Yeah, so we, we sort of mentioned like climbing, right? And yeah. there are many different ways to climb. I mean, for rock climbers, we know that we can climb up ledges. They're horizontal uh, crevices. They're vertical crevices. But then there's also the uh, architecture. And you may find yourself in any number of situations where, all right, well, there's um, you know a, a flash flood and you need to start climbing up a, a rock cliff. Or oh you know, if there's a fire in a building, you have to escape a building some way. You, you need to be able to you know, climb on the, the face. So that sort of um, physical environment is, is something that we really encourage our guests to, to work on. Um, wow. And, uh, you know, we had, we had talked about uh, some simple worst case scenarios. One, you know, what if you're on a bad date, you want to leave the restaurant without actually saying goodbye? You know, it's like, you could perhaps go towards the restroom, find a janitorial closet, you know, find a couple of rags, disguise yourself so you can kind of dodge out. You know, there, there are, there are wow. all sorts of worst case scenarios. And they, that they don't may have be to be, again, common, like these huge yeah, dramatic. a more common situation, right? Yeah, <laughs> it might be. That's amazing. And these are these are these experiences are for the whole family. You don't have to feel silly if you're an adult and you go and you really want to try the quicksand. It's not just for the kids. No, that's the best no, part. No, you know, it. Exactly. And ball pits are, ball pits are just cool. So, you know, if you have a kid, this is a great excuse to go and get in one. Um, if you don't have a kid, it's just a great excuse to go. Um, but you know, and we, and we look at as an adult, we tend to think that we know everything, um, because we've trained ourselves to think that that we do. So it's a, it's a good place to be like, all right, you know what? I do need to practice some of these. I need to need to train myself for it. I mean, kids are, you know, they just, they're really good at seeing scenarios and being like, okay, well, I, I have an open mind. Um, yeah. So it's, it's good for everyone to kind of practice this. And sometimes we can learn from those, those younger people. All right. You- so what do we know for our day at Fleet Science Center for this? Are we, are we wearing comfortable clothes? Obviously. Wear comfortable clothes, uh, get ready to be active, you know, have fun, uh, be engaged. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's just a good, good, good time and, and bring some science into that. That is the absolute best part about Fleet Science Center. You hit the nail on the head. Like parents getting to be kids. I feel like there have been so many times that we've been at Fleet and my kids, when they were little, they were exhausted. And I'm the one who's like, wait, five more minutes, five more minutes. I just want to, I just want to check out this one last thing. There's so much to do there. And, uh, you know, the exhibits are forever changing. It's so awesome when they bring in something new like this. It just gives you another reason to go and check it out. It's you could go every couple of months and have a totally new experience at Fleet. This one sounds really, really cool. And as parents, we have to really plan our days pretty specifically. So are we allotting two hours for this? Is a is it a four hour experience? I mean, on average. 
Yeah, and this is, this uh, experience is uh, tied in with your general mission. So you're sure. going to come to Flea, you're going to be able to enjoy the whole museum, and this is going to be part of it. So if you haven't been for a while, this is a great reason to come back and, and take a look. Um, <clears throat> the actual experience itself, you're going to be spending maybe half an hour to 45 minutes in there. Okay. Um, so it's a good way to add on to the rest of your experience at the museum. To your already awesome day at Fleet. All right, dress comfortably, be ready to have some adventure. Know that these reactions are layered. If you get attacked by a shark, you might try punching it. And then when that doesn't work, you might try stabbing it with your sharp bone spur from the, your failure. From the, from the bite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, there are layers. Uh, but it, man, it sounds like a super good time. Sarah Sarah knows darn well I'm going to be heading out and checking this one yeah. out. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are as well. And tickets are on, online, right? Or do we just get them at the door? Uh, you can do both. So you can, either you can go to the website or, or just uh, come on over to the museum and, and come on in. And the exhibition's only through the summer, so there's a limited amount of time. So make sure you, you come in uh, during the summer months. Right on. FleetScience.org. You can see what IMAX films they're showing that day, too, and kind of plan your day. Thanks, Jeffrey. Uh, thank you, guys. Such, such a good time. Well, of course, Fleet Science Center is one of the places that makes San Diego awesome. But we also love covering the people that make San Diego awesome. And one of them is joining us right now. Gregor is one of the founders of Purpose First, and he's here to tell us all about it. Gregor, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, Sarah and AJ. You know, we continue to highlight these people doing awesome things in San Diego. And you guys caught our eye because, well, San Diego has a lot of beaches, um, and you guys are a beach cleanup, right? Certified nonprofit beach cleanup. Um, tell us a little bit about how you guys got started and how everybody else can get involved. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, Purpose First is very new. So we got started about two years ago cleaning up the beach. Um, our certified nonprofit happened only five months ago. So we got certified by the IRS as a 501c3 to sponsor beach cleanup events and to educate um, on how we can become more sustainable as a community. So we've been we've been functioning now um, as a beach cleanup for about two and a half years, and we've done biweekly cleanups for about two of those years. Recently, we've been doing uh, one beach cleanup a month, so that way we can make it as fun as possible, so we can make it as memorable as possible, and so we can get as many troops out to have fun um, as we can. So we've also, we've focused on making our beach cleanups as light as possible, so that way everyone has a good time, they're doing something very good for the community, and they can leave and put something in their pocket for later. How do people find out when the next cleanup is? How do people get involved in this? So we just actually got a new website. It's pfcleanup.org. And um, normally we'll, we'll post on our Instagram as well. So that's Purpose First Beach Cleanup. And um, we have our beach cleanup the first Saturday of every month. And we meet at Water Bar, which is in Pacific Beach, California. And we uh, consistently do beach cleanups on the first Saturday of every month. That's awesome. And that's a really easy way for people to kind of get it on their calendar. If anybody's like me, I mean, I'm walking down the beach and I get so frustrated. Like once you start to notice how much trash there is, how much plastic there is, it's hard to, to not fixate on it. 
I mean, does it, if people can't make it out to one of these big organized cleanups, I mean, I know I've had the thought, like, is it even going to matter if I pick up these two little pieces of trash on my walk? Like there's so much, it can feel overwhelming. I mean, what do you say to people who kind of feel like, ah, just picking up a couple pieces here and there isn't going to make a difference? That's a great question. Every single piece of trash matters. So everything that we produce matters. Everything that we buy as customers, it matters. So where it's going to end up, of course, matters as well. And when you pick up a cigarette butt, Mm -hmm. that's going to be much more toxic than a soiled piece of cardboard. It's not about the weight of the trash. It's about the toxicity. Oh, So, I mean, we got, we have tar, we have carcinogens, we have things that are known to cause cancer. If one cigarette butt ends up in the ocean, which it's going to end up inside of a fish, it's going to end up inside of us. So, totally. I mean, we shape the market, so we need to be smarter about what we buy. Mm-hmm. But every single piece of trash matters. Yeah, it's it's difficult enough to get people to rally behind a cause. So props to you for getting the website up and the group together and getting out and cleaning up these beaches. But I, I know from firsthand uh, experience, it's also really difficult to get a 501c3 from the government. So the fact that you guys have done that, they, they, they <laughs> make it perfectly very difficult to do. Uh, it means you're serious about this. So uh, people aren't wasting their time by picking you to give their time to. So give that website out again and that uh, where people can find you on social media. Yeah, of course. Thank you, AJ. Um, so that's pfcleanup.org. Or you can type in .com as well. It'll route you to uh, PF Cleanup. And our uh, Beach Cleanup Instagram is Purpose First Beach Cleanup. It's very cool. You guys are definitely that. practicing what you preach. And um, I'm looking at your Instagram right now, and there is like a whole little highlight bubble with eco tips. It's just a cool place to kind of go and get started. And then if, you know, maybe somebody lives in North County or somewhere else, I mean, they can go out to their local beach too. It doesn't have to be with you guys. It would be awesome if it was. But like like you said, just next time you're at the beach, just take a little bag and pick up what you see as you go. I think we'd all be surprised, probably fill up pretty quick. Yeah, it's very true. You know, some of the cleanups, I'll just give you a little estimate right here. Our last cleanup, we didn't even have too many people. I would say around 80 to 90 people. Oh. Not a crazy big turnout, but picked up. 215 pounds of trash in one hour. Oh my yeah. God. Off the ground. So that's wow. going to go wow. into the ocean. That's going to wash into the ocean. We're probably going to end up eating it somehow, right? Wow. So that's every single month. We consistently get at least 200 pounds of trash in one short hour. So it's, it's wild. Crazy. It's pretty yeah, crazy it- what we leave on the ground. The parents listening, uh, Sarah and I are parents, they probably are tired of telling their kids, don't you know that dish isn't going to clean itself? Or don't you know the room <laughs> is going to clean itself? But in reality, we go out and we enjoy these beaches in San Diego. And and I guess maybe we think there's some big government organization that comes out and picks up after everybody, but there there really isn't. So, uh, you know, and, and, and we all know people don't pick up after themselves uh, in a lot of cases. So if not for organizations like you, our beaches wouldn't be looking so hot and uh and and they do look great and then i and we appreciate you doing it because it is truly something that is helping make san diego awesome thank you so much it's so sweet
Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, let people know. Reviews mean more than you realize for podcasts like ours. And we've, we're in a dry spell. We haven't gotten one in weeks. So if you could take two minutes to go to the Apple Store or on Spotify, if you listen on one of those two platforms, uh, say, say something about the podcast. It really does help a lot. It only takes you a few seconds. Um, also, we're always looking for sponsors. If you want us to help you spread the word about your business and what you're up to, let us know. You can find us by going to All In San Diego and clicking on Work With Us, or uh, you can just slide into our DMs on the uh, social media platform of your choice. We'll be back with a new episode uh, next week. Thanks for listening.